The guests on Love Hurts occasionally use some adult language and go into some more intense subject matter, but that's kind of how real life works anyway. This is Love Hurts. I'm Brian Berlin. Today's guest is Aaron Barker. Aaron is a storyteller who normally lives in New York City. When the pandemic hit last spring, Aaron and her husband made the decision to leave New York to stay with their best couple friends in Ohio until everything blew over. Almost a year later, Aaron is still in Ohio, and she talks about what it was like making the choice to leave the city she loved and navigating living with another couple. Hey, Aaron, how's it going? Hey, Brian, how you doing? Good, it's good to see you. It's been probably a year. Yeah, probably about a year. <laughs> probably at some random show in the back of a bar somewhere. <laughs> oh, that is what I miss the most, though, like out of everything. I think what I miss the most is the, t- the time after a show when everyone's kind of hanging out and everyone's like, oh, I should leave. I got to work in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> but then everybody stays and has another drink <laughs> before you know it's like 1 a.m. Never turning down a drink post-show again, which I might live to regret. <laughs> yeah, now you're just going to be out until 3 a.m. Every, <laughs> yeah. every time there's a show again next year. Oh, boy. Uh, well, thanks so much for coming on and being willing to share a story. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, what did you want to talk about today? <laughs> so uh, my husband and I have been living in a sort of a quarantine bubble with a couple of good friends of ours. So I thought maybe I'd share the story of that. Seems relevant, timely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah, I think this is, I think I was saying this to you when we, when we were emailing, like, I don't think I've had like a COVID-based uh, story yet. Yeah. So we um, we live in New York City. Uh, and as you know, March 2020 in New York City was a little scary. <laughs> yeah. There was uh, I just had no real conception of what what it was like to live through a pandemic. I mean, very few people did at that time. It was also so weird. I remember this is like, you know, because I live in Brooklyn and I. I don't know what your like week leading up to everything shutting down was, but I like maybe once a week I'll end up in Manhattan. And I just remember like after everything shut down, I was like, oh, my God, I was in Manhattan like four straight days in a row on the subway, like around all these people right before everything was like, no, we're not supposed to be around people anymore. Yeah. And I just thought it was so insane that I had this like very busy week out by so many people when everything got that's like the one thing that like sticks out to me about March of last year. Yeah, I look back on it and I remember waiting in a grocery line that was literally like wrapped three times around the whole store, <laughs> you know, of everybody <laughs> trying to get their groceries before lockdown starts. Nobody has any idea of what lockdown yeah. is or what it means, yeah. you know. <laughs> and yeah, I just I remember a lot of rice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we brought, bought a lot of dry goods and canned goods that we'll probably never eat now. <laughs> but I just remember waiting in this giant line in this crowded grocery store and nobody's wearing a mask at that time because yeah. nobody really understood you know if we needed to wear one or not nobody could even buy one they were all sold out everywhere yeah yeah so i i just remember that and shudder a little bit <laughs> but it was getting it was getting really i think not a great place for an anxious person 
at that time. You remember there were sirens just constantly, at least yeah. in our neighborhood. Yeah. It was really tough. And when you live in New York, at least if you live in most places in New York, lockdown really feels like you're stuck in your little shoebox apartment sometimes. So uh, my husband was really anxious. He he suffers from anxiety, and this was really getting to him, like, in a huge way. And so my friend uh, who I grew up with, Emily, who lives in Ohio, she called me, and she was like, look, my business is doing a little bit uh, – is struggling a little bit right now due to the pandemic. I don't know if my income is going to be steady. Your income, your Justin's income is steady. You need a place to stay where you can spread out and feel comfortable and Justin's anxiety can be relieved a little bit. Why don't you come stay with us? And uh, we can help contribute to the household and everything and, and we can have this space to relax. And it just seemed like the best thing to do for us. So we rented a car and we drove out to Ohio the state where I grew up, which I have, you know, complicated feelings about. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to get into that. Uh, we came to stay with our friends here. And it, one of the reasons it seemed like a good idea is because uh, Emily and Matt, our friends who are staying with here, they're, they're kind of our only, they're our best couple friendship. And I don't know if, if you're very familiar with this, Brian, but it's hard to make good couple friends. Yeah, yeah, I get that. There's always, it feels like every couple that you make friends with, there's always, if two people go to the bathroom, awkwardness, you know, yeah, that yeah. you if end the, up with the, the wrong the combo. dynamic can get shifted too quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but with Emily and Matt, it's not like that. Um, both Justin and I can talk to either of them about anything, and so it just felt like the best setup. So uh, we drive out here, we... <laughs> We totally wiped down the entire rental car before we return it. I remember <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I can't bring COVID from New York to Toledo, Ohio. Oh, I yeah. Really Jesus. Yeah. Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, OK, that, that was the one thing I wanted to ask you. When did this happen? Like, how quickly into everything did this happen? Like, was it by the end of March you were already doing this? Yeah. OK. Yeah, we were here by the end of March. So it was right away. Yeah. And we were thinking we'd be here for like a month. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a year later, we're still here. <laughs> um, so we get here. I remember the second we get in the door, it was really late. It was like 1 a.m., but I just took a shower immediately. So I felt like I had to wash off all my New York yeah. germs. <laughs> but we had a, a house meeting like the first day we were here, <laughs> you know. We talked about how's, how's this going to work, you know, who's who's doing what chores and everything. And Emily was like, well, the, the main thing for us is just to make sure that there aren't any dirty dishes lying around in the sink and stuff like that. She's like, that's just a thing for me. And so I was like, oh, okay, definitely got to respect that. And over the next few days, I was like really good about washing the dishes. I'm normally not great about washing dishes, <laughs> full disclosure. And I just remember remarking to Justin, my husband, like, you know, this is a, this is a great pattern that we're getting into. I'm cleaning up right away after every meal. And he was like, yeah, I've been asking for us to do that at yeah, home like, for like why? five years. <laughs> why did this take a pandemic to get you to wash the dishes? <laughs> but it's like the social pressure of someone who's not your spouse. <laughs> yeah, like you're having to perform, like you feel like, oh, I've got to be 
better than I am in my normal scenario with just my spouse. Yeah, exactly. It's Justin and I, we've been together uh, 15, yeah, 15 years now total, married for um, six. And so I think after a while, you just, you stop accepting feedback from your partner <laughs> in the same way that you did early on. You know? <laughs> You're just like, ah, oh, they'll get over it. <laughs> Which is, you know, maybe not great. Um, so I was thinking about that a little bit. And we had this routine. Justin and I get up in the morning and we make breakfast and we, we serve it to Emily. And we all kind of have breakfast together. And she was working really hard during this time, trying to get her business back on track. And she was really absorbed and focused on that. So she sometimes didn't come down for breakfast. She wanted us to bring it up to her. You know, it, it started to feel like, all right, we're, we're doing a lot of the cooking and cleaning. You know, <laughs> I've, I'm really worried about my job too. We're all really worried about our jobs. And I went up one day to knock on her door to bring her breakfast. And she just didn't answer the door. She was just like really immersed in a conference call or something like that and just didn't hear the knock or ignored it or whatever. So I'm just kind of standing there knocking with this plate of scrambled eggs for like 10 minutes and I get really annoyed about it. I'm just <laughs> fed up. <laughs> and we have this thing in my family um, that my husband affectionately calls the Barker Bomb. Uh, so I, everyone in my family is small, you know, me, my brother and my dad, we're all well under six feet, <laughs> well, well under 200 pounds, well under 150 pounds, really. <laughs> and so our main uh, method of combat is, uh, words and more specifically truth bombs. <laughs> we occasionally <laughs> drop into conversation. Uh, that's how we create tension. That's what we do as a family. Uh, my husband hates this, <laughs> surprisingly. He doesn't find it charming, uh, especially when I'm arguing with him and I drop a Barker bomb into that argument. He's not a fan. Uh, but to give you an example of what a Barker bomb might be, let me think of a good one. Okay, um, my stepdad was cheating on my mom and this had recently been exposed. And my whole family went to church together. And <laughs> on the way home, my brother remarked very loudly in the car that he really enjoyed the part of the sermon about being faithful to your spouse. Now <laughs> 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 he wished more people would listen to that message. <laughs> so that's an example. There's a lot of sarcasm involved as well as truth. Yeah, so it's like truth and sarcasm and loudness all in one. Yeah, just creating creating awkwardness, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's what we do. <laughs> and Justin's always like, every time we get into a fight, he's like, you always have to get your little line in. He's like, this is you as a storyteller. You're just trying to get your line in. And I'm like, oh, it's not like I tell stories about my sick burns. You know, it's not <laughs> my fault that I come up with such great sick burns in the moment. You don't say it and then immediately write it down after. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. If I was doing that, then it would be weird. But this is just me. This is just my personality. Yes. <laughs> so we have this situation where I'm just, I'm mad at Emily for this. And uh, so later, 
later on in the day, when she's done with work, she comes down, she sees me, she goes, hey, hey, how you doing? I go, oh, so you can see me now. I'm not an, an invisible wraith. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, I don't know if you have like a really old friend that you've known since you were a child, but she just looked at me in the way that only an old friend who knows, like who's used to all of your bullshit can look at you (laughs) just like so like okay (laughs) it was just so just reduced me completely uh took all the wind out of my sails and I was like I had never I'd never felt so dumb for dropping one of my Barker bombs before just so silly and she was just like I didn't hear you knock if you could have just said something (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like you've already in that moment when you're at the door with the scrambled eggs, you're already like picking the fight that doesn't need to exist if you had just like put a little more effort into like, oh, yeah, she probably yeah, she's on a call. I, you know, she doesn't know that I'm here, but you're in your head. You're like, oh, this is going to be the best when she comes down and I finally get my moment (laughs) in her face to fit. You're like, you just want to be mad right now. and it's, It's coming out in that way. Yeah. And so it really made me think about think about my use of Barker bombs and <laughs> whether they're quite as helpful as they feel in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm now I now believe that every couple who's been together for a long time should have to live with another couple for a period of a few months, at least once every five years. Does it get some perspective on your bullshit? Yeah. So yeah, because because you and Justin have been together you said a long time like enough enough of a time where like you know everything about each other you know all your little like ticks and quirks and yeah like you're not gonna do the dishes type thing (laughs) and then yeah is it weird like how did that dynamic shift in when you have another couple you're living with versus just the two of you oh man the dynamics are always shifting there's always an unpopular person in the house brian (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have to tell you, do you do you mind if I segue slightly? No, that's cool. You can segue. I have sort of a, an am I the asshole story okay. to yeah. share. Maybe you and your listeners can help me resolve this. <laughs> <laughs> so as I already kind of alluded to, uh, I'm a little bit of an untidy person. I have ADD. Things tend to just accumulate in piles. And Justin is the same way. Uh, and Emily and Matt are not. Um, everything has a place. It goes in that place. Uh, it's very tidy. And so over the past few months, our stuff has expanded a little bit. It takes up the coffee table a little bit. So uh, it was Emily's birthday on Friday. And for some reason, we were we were hanging out in the living room thinking about Eve Six, 90s rock pop sensation <laughs> Eve Six, <laughs> listening to a song. Matt took a picture of Emily dancing to this song and tweeted it at Eve Six. And they were like, <laughs> he was like, can you retweet this? It's my wife's birthday. And so Eve Six, uh, in their great generosity, did retweet. And immediately, Eve Six fans started commenting on the tweet. <laughs> And criticizing how untidy the house is. 
<laughs> Which who knew that Eve Six fans were such sticklers for neatness? <laughs> Not me. <laughs> yeah, that was and the thing that they focused on in this photo was just like, hey, that house, there's a lot of piles around there. Yeah, it literally was. <laughs> you could look. It's just a bunch of comments like, oh, you should clean up that coffee table. Or, oh, you got a lot of cords. <laughs> just like, okay. Um, and so this, I think, really mortified Matt and Emily. And so they start replying to these comments. <laughs> like, oh, this, this isn't our fault. It's our housemate's fault. Like, we're very tidy people. We don't keep our house this way. <laughs> and so I'm just kind of like, what the hell? I didn't ask to be judged by a bunch of Eve 6 fans. No one consulted me about this. Like, maybe Matt should have looked at what was in the frame of his photo before he tweeted it at a major account, right? So my question is, uh, who's the asshole in this situation? <laughs> is it me? Is it them? Is it everybody? It's all of Eve 6 fans, right? That's, that's <laughs> You just want to... You want to make this so it's you against Eve Six right now and really like bring them on you. Yeah, maybe it's that. Maybe it's no, just I, these I mean, fans. it's funny because it's like, again, it's like those little moments that I guess like anybody who has roommates has these roommate moments. And I'm sure we've all been having like more of these roommate moments over the past year. But it is like, it's funny how it becomes, yeah, versus just like a person in that moment in the room just being like, hey, can you get these? cables out of just put them somewhere because they've just been on this coffee table for two weeks and instead you have an entire band's fan base <laughs> tweeting at you about them <laughs> yeah yeah that's some um, some social pressure on my habits that i didn't expect yeah it's adding like you thought like there's the magnifying glass on your habits that's just from living with another couple but now you have like this extra magnifying glass that is <laughs> An entire band's fan base saying, oh, yeah, we don't agree with how you're living your life either. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess it's like, does it feel weird, too, because you and Justin are the ones who like, even though this has been your home for the last year, it's still not your home. Right. It's like that. Like at the same time, you're still like the outsiders, even though it's your friend from childhood and you've been there now for a year. It's still like you want to make sure you're being good guests in a way right yeah it's interesting the way that we kind of shift from being guests to tenants guests to tenants depending on what's most convenient (laughs) at any given time for either of us it is yeah it's hard to be kind of outside your own little habitat for a long period of time sometimes we go back to new york for a week or two at a time and i'm just like wow it's nice to be in this place where the pictures are of my husband and not someone else's <laughs> husband, you know? It's yeah, and you can just, like, leave the dish in the sink and not be stressed about it. Yeah. Although, when we go back, I still wash the dishes right away. I've learned my lesson. This is your new, this is the new Aaron. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I haven't improved in all of the ways, but I feel like I can improve in that that specific way. <laughs> and do you feel like, so wh- how does it feel, so... You said like one of the reasons you you went to Ohio in the first place was kind of for space. And I feel like for me, and I'm somebody who also deals with anxiety. And I especially I remember that first month or so of being in New York, really feeling overwhelmed and, and like constricted, like very like, as you said, you can't go 
like my hardest thing was like if I just had a backyard, if there was like a space that I could have just gone in that was mine, that was outdoors, I would have felt a lot better. And that just like didn't exist living in New York. So what does it feel like like when you come back to New York now? I guess is it like half missing New York, but then like half appreciating kind of the space you've been living in over the past year? Yeah. Let me tell you, Brian, life is so much easier. (laughs) Places that aren't New York. Oh, my God. It's just we open the door and the dog runs out into the yard and and that's it. Um, Yeah, you don't need like the leash and getting all this stuff ready just to like go out just to go to the bathroom quick. (laughs) Yeah, it's so nice. And in the summer in particular, it was so nice to have the yard. and, And when we walk the dog around the neighborhood, I never wear a mask. I mean, I have one in my pocket, but I never wear one because I never get within 20 feet of another person. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, where I'm like putting on a mask to go get my mail. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In New York, I put on a mask before I open the door to my apartment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's been really nice. But on the other hand, lately, and I think especially since it got cold, there's really nobody out and about here in Ohio. You don't see anybody out. And when we go back to New York, people are still out and kind of going about their routines and stuff. And that's that's kind of comforting in a way, just to have the yeah. energy of the city. Yeah, like I just went for a run and people were like out and around and it was like, so then I like went to the grocery store after and I was immediately like stressed and over. It was, the grocery store was like more packed than I'm used to on a whatever random day, but I was like, so it's the highs and lows of like, oh, I'm outside and there's people around and then I'm like, oh, there's too many people around and I want to go back into my small apartment now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So it's nice. It's nice that they're around, but then sometimes it's overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And then how, what, like, for you and Justin, you know, you said, like, a major reason that you were like, oh, let's look for somewhere else to live for a while was his anxiety. Like, how, was that the right move? Like, did it feel a lot easier to just live day to day with that? Oh, yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, when we were in New York, he was, like, throwing up from anxiety, like, panic attacks that severe. It was so bad. Um, And he's doing a lot better now yeah that's good i mean at least at least it feels like it was the right move for that alone yeah that was i mean back then it was a really complicated decision to leave because people were really discouraging moving around people act like if you left the city you're not a real new yorker anymore you know (laughs) so it was a really hard decision but i think it was the right one ultimately and how does it feel like you said now that you're getting close to like being back in new york full time again like are you feeling good about that decision or like are you still nervous or how's that feeling I yeah I'm a little bit nervous for several reasons I mean the dog is not going to be happy about going back (laughs) just say that (laughs) but I mean it's been really nice to live with friends during this time I remember I posted a photo of the four of us playing a board game on Facebook or something a few months ago and I was talking to one of my friends on the phone and they were like I was so jealous when I saw that photo because it's been so long since I could just hang out and play a board game in somebody's house and I was like wow we are really fortunate actually to be able to do this and have our little social bubble so I'll miss that uh, a lot and just the ease and convenience of things here but 
New York is my city, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I can really live anywhere else long term. Ohio is never really a good place for me to be in. Yeah, I didn't feel like it was your like first choice of, of not to just like totally shit on Ohio, but the way you set it up was not like I I was like Ohio was second on my list and I was happy to go there. <laughs> yeah, I think as things reopen, it would be harder for me to live in Ohio because I would have to be interacting with Ohio yeah. people. No offense to any of your listeners who may be in Ohio. <laughs> Huge Ohio uh, contingency that. <laughs> I just remember like a month before the pandemic, I went to this alumni event in New York for my university, Ohio University. They had this little event in the city for alumni who had moved to New York. And I went to the restroom and there was this sign on the ladies restroom door that said Bob Kittens. Our mascot was the Bobcats. And I just thought, (laughs) fuck you, Ohio. (laughs) Oh, I don't know why. But just <laughs> they really, had to take the time I mean, to make that dumb sign on a bathroom that already had a, another sign. I'm sure that was a exactly. Sign. <laughs> it was already labeled women's restroom, and there was there was no non-binary restroom, which is the whole other issue. <laughs> well, but, technically, that the funny part is like kittens are non-binary, <laughs> right? Is that supposed to imply that women are babies? I don't. Yeah, like that's that's the that's the worst part about it is the fact that they use kittens as the term for women. <laughs> yeah. like... It just made me so angry, and I was like, "This is why I can never live there." Somehow, it stood in for everything. Yeah, that was, and then you were, and then a month later you you yeah, moved there. And then a month later I moved here. <laughs> oh man. Cool. Well, yeah. Thanks for sharing all of this. Uh, I yeah. Hope, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, I hope it's like exciting to be back in New York and not too bad, and feels like you can. I don't know. Hopefully things are normal again. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully <laughs> One at some day. point. hopefully you get to do your show in person again yeah yeah that would be nice and hopefully you get to do your (laughs) show in person which i feel like is a good segue to talk about story collider you have like a podcast slash whole storytelling collective i feel i don't know what's how do you pitch it (laughs) well we're a storytelling nonprofit. uh the story collider we specialize in true personal stories about science so uh right now is well, business is a booming right now. I'll put it that way. Everyone has a story about science, it turns out. Yeah, you literally could not come in contact with a person who would not have a story connected in science in some way right now. Yeah, exactly. Early in the pandemic, I was like, well, on the bright side, none of these New York stand-up comedians can tell me they don't have a story about <laughs> science anymore. <laughs> Got you, motherfuckers. <laughs> Yeah, and so you have, I mean, in normal times, live shows, and there's a podcast, but you've been doing a lot of, I've been seeing both, like, I feel like featured kind of, like, curated shows, but then also a lot of kind of, uh, like, slam-type shows, too, right? Yeah, every month we've started doing these online slams. People can put their name in the hat to be called and invited on screen to share their story about science, and it's been actually really fun. Those have been my favorite shows. Cool. Well, thanks so much for sharing, Aaron. It was good to see you and talk to you. Yeah, thank you, Brian. This is how we love. This is how we fight.
Sie.